Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and I have here with me celebrating, you know, ho-hum, another win in uh, 49ers land. I have with me fellow uh, contributor at Niner Noise, Chris Wilson. Chris, how are you feeling uh, tonight, my good friend? Can you imagine us saying that last year? Oh, ho-hum win, you, you know. Ho-hum victory, no you know big deal. Goes, you know. Another week, another victory. Yeah, yeah. It's... But tell me, how scared were you when it was sixteen nothing? Uh very. I was on the first floor, and I don't, uh, not, I don't think this this window <laughs> opens, so I was safe. But <laughs> man, I, I was like, no, like we're not becoming the 2018 49ers again, please, no. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, it was very, very, very concerning. Especially because some of the stuff, like the way that the Monday night game against Seattle went and some of the other bad stuff that's happened, like the Pittsburgh game and all like other times in the season where things have been kind of like dicey looking, you can be like, oh, well, it's fine because it's just happening because of X thing. Like with the Pittsburgh game, it was like they keep turning the ball over and that's the reason that this game is so close. And it was kind of a similar story with the Seattle game, but with the Ariz- with the with this game, there wasn't really any explanation. It was just Arizona was beating the crap out of our defense. That was really it, <laughs> and our offense wasn't doing anything. And there wasn't it wasn't like an extenuating circumstance. So that's what made me most nervous about that whole thing. Yeah, the first three drives not good. Obviously, on defense, not good. <laughs> right, but on offense, we went short pass, short run, incomplete pass, punt. It took me back to my Mariucci days. Except <laughs> it, was, it would be run, run, pass, run. I mean, it was feeling more like uh, you know the Singletary days or something like Eric, that. Erickson or something. <laughs> yeah, something really bad. And then the second drive, it, it was a pass interference call. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Uh, well, on them, great. Yeah. <laughs> and then short run, and so let's follow that up with another short run, and then incomplete pass, and then let's just follow that up with another incomplete pass. Yeah. You know, just to keep it even, and then turn the ball over and downs. And third drive, negative run. So what do we do? Let's run it again. Short run, sack, punt. Yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah, what is, is going on? What is going on here? Three drives, two yards, three two, drives. Two. But then it was Jimmy G time. Yes, sir. And the good news was is that we only ran the ball like eight more times the rest of the game after that. So <laughs> I was very proud of Shanahan for allowing himself to abandon the run, which he admitted to after the game. Yeah, apparently, yeah, I was going to say he, he said, you know, we just decided this is not working today. Which I know is very, very hard for him. I, I know it's it's tough. It's yeah, very, very tough. For sure. But he did the right thing, and that's one of the many reasons why I like him as an OC, even though I can be critical. Yes. But he, he knew what he had to do, and he did it, and it worked. So, you know, Jimmy G time was a lot better than, than select time ever was. For sure. I said that was a really thing. So, you know, 400 <laughs> yards and four touchdowns later, and... Yeah, a couple of picks, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Gotta keep it interesting. Um yes. a little help from the defense. The 49ers pulled out the thirty-six to twenty-six 
win after a crazy last play that was totally unnecessary and <laughs> and made Vegas and crazy. Maybe didn't count. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. There were a couple of plays in this. It was iffy. And they were like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, as you alluded to, sixteen uh, point first half deficit. I it would think it was like early in the second quarter is actually when it was a sixteen nothing uh, deficit. Uh, yeah. 49ers actually got the, the, the game close. Um, I don't know about you, but on the same level, how good were you feeling about 16-10 at halftime after the way the game started? Because <laughs> I was ecstatic. I was like, we're within six points. Like We have no business being within six points right now, but there we are. I would have taken just about anything after, after those those uh, 16 points that we went, yeah, went down. Absolutely. And the 49ers were able to pull it out and are now 9-1. and one. So we, the, we have the first official winning record yes. under the Lynchahan regime. And the the first time since the second to last Harbaugh year, is that correct? correct. Yep. Yep, correct. Um because we were 8 and 8 last, his last season, so that's been a while. That was 2012. <laughs> Yikes. I think he left, left in 2014, so it must have been the 2014 season. You're right. Yeah. Um so it's been a while. Either way, way too long. Correct. And and the the uh, fun stat that I saw the other day was uh the Patriots uh consecutive winning season record is old enough to be a sophomore in uh college now. So They're closing in on drinking age. <laughs> um anyway, so this this Cardinals game, uh, I think the the major concern was that the Cardinals didn't seem to like. It was almost like they paused the game at the end of of the t- Thursday night game, where they were because they were they were you know if they had had probably five to ten more minutes of of the Thursday night game, I feel like they would have come back to win that one. And they sort of just like it was almost like they paused. And then we just moved the game to Levi Stadium, and then they just kept doing the things that they were doing then, and just. You know, it it was it was a a rough start for sure. And then, as we as we noted, uh, Garoppolo came through again. His best two games of the season, possibly of his career, have both come against Arizona in the last three weeks. And the offense ended up scoring thirty points on uh, route to that thirty six twenty six victory. And then, even without George Kittle and without Joe Staley and with Emmanuel Sanders clearly in pain. Uh, throughout the game, he gutted it out, but he was mm, mostly a non-factor in the in the game. I think he had like three catches, thirty-three yards, something like that. Um, I think his presence was helpful, but he he certainly was not comfortable. The passing game looked good, which I think we're going to get into in more detail in, here in just a moment. Uh, the running game, as as you alluded to momentarily, uh, did not. Uh, this was their lowest output of the season by far. Uh, are you ready for these numbers, Chris? Thirty-four yards. On 19 carries. Uh, <laughs> that's no good. <laughs> I can do a little bit of math, and I know that is not good. <laughs> Un- under two yards of carry, definitely not good. It's bad. It's very, very bad. Here's the thing that shocks me about it, though. They're still, like, the second best running team in the NFL, in spite of how bad their running game has been the last three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> what happens when you run the ball at a crazy amount compared to every other team in the majority of your games you can right. sort of throw in a couple of games where you're like yeah let's just not run at all and we'll be fine well it's been the last three weeks there's been a decline like we would like a hundred and something and then a hundred last week and now 34 now i should note that the gap between us and the first place team which is the baltimore ravens is 54 yards <laughs> yeah what, what's the gap between garoppolo and jackson Per, per <laughs> he actually has a fair amount of rushing yards this year compared to past years. But I don't think that he would really rank very high if he played on Baltimore's team. <laughs> um, yes, but I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close. No, for sure. But anyway, so um, not good on the running game. I'm sure we'll talk about that more in a little bit, too. Um, in the end, so the 49ers pulled it out on the strength of uh, Garoppolo's arm and some uh, good good defensive play. When it was all said and done, it didn't start off very well, but they you know held the... The Cardinals is 10 points after that sort of 16-point onslaught at the beginning. Uh, most importantly, they got a lead, uh, pushed their lead in the NFC West up to a full game because uh, the Seahawks didn't play. So now that everybody's up to 10 contests in the season, this silly half-game math can go away. Uh, so, Chris, any other thoughts? Oh, I got thoughts, and even coherent ones sometimes. Now, I'm not normally one for victory laps, which is, of course, not true, but... How about my man, DeMontre Moore? As we all know from last week's episode, I was less than pleased that we let him go before the season began, but he's back. And I commented that 
But, you know, instead of me retelling the whole thing, let's just roll the tape. Welcome back to the team, Demontre Moore, who was uh, signed this week as his uh, as Blair's replacement. So there we go. I think that'll be exciting. Yep, I, I'm definitely excited to see that. Uh, I, I thought that was a mistake to allow him to hit the market. It worked out. Although every other team in the NFL disagreed with me, so <laughs> there you go. Maybe I'm wrong. Or, maybe, or, or maybe I'll be extremely right. So maybe time will tell. We'll find out here soon. Well, it sure didn't take too long for us to find out. So apparently, I was extremely right. Two pressures, two tackles, one key force fumble, perhaps game-winning force fumble this game. A guy you're taking, not necessarily off the streets, but he's a newcomer to your team. You're throwing him in the lineup. He played a fair amount of snaps, and he made that force fumble pure hustle. He was the uh, defensive end on the opposite side of the field. It was a straight hustle play. Mm-hmm. And he just ran across the field and forced the fumble and just came from behind and, and knocked the ball out. And that was one of the main reasons that the, the 49ers won. So in summary, as proven by this one play anecdote, there is clear and compelling evidence that I am smarter than all of the 32 NFL GMs. Great job. There we go. Yeah, it was the weirdest, like, quote unquote, game winning fumble in that each team had the ball one more time <laughs> the circumstances of the last like minute of the game were so strange um no less than it was like 30 seconds of the game right because the 49ers scored with like 31 seconds left and that was the first play after the cardinals got the ball back yeah. and then they proceeded to run the ball four times and then the Cardinals got the ball back again, which led to the bizarre ending of the game. But it, it was just a really, like, it's it's the only time that I'm aware of that it's something that counts as a game-winning force fumble to end the game happened, and then each team possessed the ball again. It's it's very strange. And then, and then somehow we scored on defense. <laughs> yes, we, we ended up scoring six more points to to uh, cover, depending on when you made the bet. So there you go. A little bit cruel. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the Arizona fans don't take issue with that because I think that was just more of a read not getting on the field very much, just wanting yeah, to exactly. do something. I don't think he was rubbing it in kind of thing. So No, 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 no. I don't, I don't think so at all. I think he was just like, oh, the ball's on the ground. I'm just going to pick it up and run here. Yeah, because that's what you do. I mean, you take the ball into the end zone when it's a yard from the end zone. Like How it got there, I still don't know, like phys- physics-wise. But... Uh. <laughs> I'm like, who catapulted the ball in that direction? Like, yeah, like you shouldn't have a catapult <laughs> that was the on the football thing. field. I mean, it's probably doesn't say that specifically in the manual, but I mean, come on. We've seen we've in in two weeks now. We've seen two of the strangest fumble plays. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely on record. Let's just let's just say that the Russell Wilson fumble that led to the the Forrest Buckner touchdown, and then this one, two very bizarre plays. They probably wouldn't happen again if we replayed them exactly the same way and was like, okay, everybody do the same thing except for, like, just let things bounce the way they will. Like, especially the one, the Arizona one, the likelihood that that would bounce exactly the way that it did and sort of squirt out of that pile of people. Just As long as we keep scoring touchdowns on all of them, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can win the rest of the season that way. That's totally fine. Actually, we might have to sometimes. We, we might, we might. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to our uh, one-up, one-down for uh, the Cardinals game. Thankfully, the last time we have to see the Cardinals this season. Um, I think they're going to be a uh, thorn in, in the side of the 49ers for many years to come. So I'll go ahead and start. Uh, we mentioned the passing game was in good shape. Um, and I'm going to point out a specific part of that passing game, and I'm going to give it to Debo Samuel. I gave it honorable mention to Debo Samuel last week, who had uh, his first 100-yard receiving yard game of his career last week. But in the loss, I felt in the way that the offense played overall. I didn't feel good about giving it to an offensive player. I feel much better about giving it to an offensive player in this case. Um, he's been on a tear the past two weeks, um, and with Emmanuel Sanders limited and George Kittle out, has really stepped up. Like The question was, after these last couple of weeks, the question has been, okay, well, who's going to step in for these pass catchers who are our top options? And Debo Samuel has answered the call. You know, he's still got work that he needs to do. Um, and we'll get a little bit into that in just a second, but for the most part, he's been, he's been really great. Uh, he finished, uh, the game against the Cardinals with eight catches, 134 yards on 10 targets. And one of those catches was just some kind of ridiculous thing. He was being 
uh, hugged, like literally hugged, like had his arms around his waist uh, by by Kevin Peterson, one of the Cardinals cornerbacks. And Garoppolo just kind of like, I believe he was getting pressured and he sort of just had to throw it up into the coverage. It wasn't probably the wisest throw, but it was really the only one that he had. And somehow the ball bounced off into Debo's hands, out of Debo's hands, off of somebody's head, like, and he still managed to catch the ball. Um, I, I, I've, I've watched it several times since then. I really don't know how it happened. Um, and I think you have some numbers on that to get into momentarily. So Debo's up to 38 catches for 430, 473 yards, which leads all rookies with in reception yards. Uh, one, Just one touchdown which, you know, we need to work on that, but we'll get there. Uh, but of note, 16 for 246 in the past two games alone. Um, did it pretty well as far as pro football focus was concerned. 84.4 overall grade and 83.7 passing grade. Um, he did have the one drop on a, a difficult catch, but it was one that hit him in the hands and he just needed to, to, uh, to pull it in. Frankly, this is what the 49ers were expecting. They were expecting somebody that was going to be able to catch the ball fairly consistently. When he gets the ball in his hands, uh, he's, he looks just absolutely dangerous and he is not afraid of contact and he will just ram over any defensive back or anybody who wants to get in his way. Um, and Jimmy seems to be aware of that and wants to get the ball in his hands. And if he can clean up the drops, he's up to, I think five or six on the season, which is a pretty high number considering his, uh, catches and targets. Um, I think he's going to be great for this team moving forward. Chris, what's your thoughts? I'm not so worried about those drops. It's like, I don't know. They vary so much from year to year. I'm, yeah, the one, the one last week was pretty bad, but this one was rougher. For sure. Yeah, yeah. He dropped the ball for sure. But as far as like you know, the stats for, for drops, remember there were like years, that, year after year, Crabtree would like lead the league in drops. And I was like, how? I watch a lot of football and I, I see a lot of drops and Crabtree's not dropping the ball more than... He had the a greatest hands ever. So, yeah, whatever. Debo is not going to catch every ball you throw his way. Sometimes he can catch balls that he absolutely should not be catching, like he did on uh, on Sunday. He's the kind of guy who you want to hit on a short slant, and you want him to use his speed and his strength and his interest in running over everybody on the field. <laughs> and you want him to be able to produce in that fashion. I mean, he has made some nice, you know, down the field catches and hopefully that will continue but you know he's, he's more of a catch around guy and, and i think shani knows that handing him the ball off to him and, and some of the uh, jet sweep stuff and yeah it's basically just put the ball in this guy's hands because he is our only wide receiver who is mostly healthy right now who is allowed to be on the field richie james <laughs> apparently <laughs> is able to to produce and he, he has a uh, crapless trust so that's all I have to say about that. And I would transition into my ups, which are also um, related to the passing game. And it's not even related to the passing game. It is the passing game, just the entire passing game, except for the offensive line because they're horrible. So, so offensive line, know it for you. You're going you're gonna to be down. So you might want to turn it off now, Lyman. But everyone else, you, you can stay tuned. All the passing game people, keep listening. Yeah, uh, yeah please. Yeah. The, the passing game after the first three drives. But yeah, before that, it was pretty horrible. So Grappolo completed over 75% of his passes for 424 yards, I believe. 9.4 yards an attempt. Four touchdowns, two interceptions, one which was horrible, one which I don't really think was his fault, but everyone hated him for anyway. And a quarterback rating of 115.4, I believe. Yes, so, that's yeah, correct. He had a... A good game. Uh, a lot of the yardage was not through the air, so his ADOT is still very low, and that's something that he needs to work on going forward if he's going to progress into the top tier of quarterbacks in the NFL. And I'm sure he knows that, and I'm sure that Shanahan knows that. But he is very, very accurate <laughs> when he throws in windows that are actually open, <laughs> as opposed to the one interception that he threw directly at a linebacker, which is not, not too hot. But when you're throwing for 75% completion percentage and you're throwing for, for almost 425 yards and 9.4 yards uh, an attempt, four touchdowns, two interceptions doesn't really hurt you too much in the, the quarterback rating category. So all in all, he had a good, better than a good game. He had a great game outside of the first quarter and the first three drives. Some of that is fault, some some not. Still needs to clean things up, like we know. But you know, then again, he's not technically starting a second season with uh, Shanahan, but game-wise, he's... 
in the beginning of his second season in this system. So he's still learning and and he has a ways to go. And like I said last week, lemons into lemonade, looking at his past history and, and the way that he is able to get the ball out so quickly and way he's able to make decisions so quickly that he still has the ability to be a top-tier quarterback. He's not there now. I'm hoping that he can continue to progress throughout this season so that he can get to the point where he is winning games for the team on a consistent basis in the playoffs. So that's where I would like him to be. Other than that, Debo, who you mentioned, another 100-yard game. And then, like you referred to before, a guy from uh, Zebra Technologies, the, the company who does the NFL's next-gen stats, informed me that Debo's 26-yard circus catch on the sideline where he's, yeah, or you said he was being hugged. <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely wasn't like a, a Brown-Steelers situation. No, it was a literal hug. It was all love, baby, on that play. <laughs> <laughs> so when it was thrown, it had a 24.1% completion probability, which isn't good for a quarterback on third down. But Garoppolo trusts his number one receiver when his injured receivers aren't in there. Yeah, And absolutely. he put the ball up for him, and Debo came down with it amazingly and was also you know severely passing fear with one, once. Uh, I think we were talking about maybe twice, maybe three times. I don't know. Debo doesn't care about any percentages, and he's, he's definitely formed that trust with Garoppolo, and that's only going to grow unless he pulls the Pettis or something. So. I don't think he's going to do that. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. I think he's going to continue his progression, and uh, hopefully he will turn into a consistent number one who's you know, approaching the 100 yards per per game. And I th- I mean, I, I don't want to call it too early, but I think we might have our 500-yard receiver finally. This, this, <laughs> well, he's, this he's almost there. I think so. He only needs 27 more yards. So I, 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 just, I don't want to say it. I, I just don't want to jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried there for a while because it was like, I mean, how are we going to do this? Yeah. We're close. We're close. Yeah. We got, we got this. We got this. Come on, man. <laughs> and then, I don't know if you know, but the 49ers' best football player per Shanahan is tight end Ross Dwelly. <laughs> did you hear that? I did not hear that, but that's that's awesome. I like it. Well, honestly, that, that was like the clickbait article title of like every article about it but he actually said that he was what did he actually say he said it was he was like the best football player that game or something like that oh, but okay. but when i saw that i was like what <laughs> you know and i was like he can't mean that no one loves a number two tight end like shanahan does but come on or three as many as he can have <laughs> 12 yeah. a whole offensive line of yeah. tight ends yeah, yeah just try to find yourself someone who loves you as much as shanny loves a replaceable tight end <laughs> But Dwelly um, got in the end zone three times. And only, two. only two of them counted. <laughs> only two of them counted because the refs still don't like us. Uh, I think we're up to seven touchdowns over overturned by yep. by flags this year. I saw that somewhere. Kittle has three of them by himself. I would like for it to either stop or just break the record. You know, one of the two. P- please stop. <laughs> My favorite was that when he scored his second touchdown, <laughs> yeah. which was oh, yeah. which was like a couple of plays after he had originally scored his second touchdown and his first move was he looked around he's like <laughs> okay like that's cool right <laughs> like hold on all right no flags all right cool celebration time because like they were into the celebration by the time they realized that the flag had gotten thrown on the first one and he was like oh bummer so he crossed the goal line and you could just see it his head moves and he's like okay we're good and, and it was obvious i mean that that yes. is what he was doing i mean he was looking around he's like please no flag please no flag well, I mean, after that first, the first call, call I, mean, I can understand him doing so. You mean when Weston Richburg was held by the by the defensive lineman and called for a penalty? <laughs> you mean that one? I mean, offense, that defense, one? whatever. It's holding. <laughs> oh, so weird. If there's holding on the play, I guess he just goes to the offensive lineman. I, I, I don't know. With these refs these last couple weeks, Shanahan must, must have angered somebody or something. I don't know. <laughs> no holding penalties in an entire game on an offensive line on either offensive line in one week and then really random phantom ones the next week. I don't know what's going on. Maybe maybe they don't like Ross. I, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, he had a great game. Another quote-unquote blocking tight end who can't block <laughs> but can sort of catch the ball. So maybe maybe it's Dwelly time. Shanahan loves his, his number two and number three and number 18 tight end and he um, knows how to do game plan for them and he called a fantastic game after the first three drives. And, and props to Dolly. I mean, he made the plays when he had to, and, and I'm only halfway kidding that he can't block. He's just not like great at it. 
they, they talk about him like he's a like like they talk about Selleck. Oh, this, this guy's a blocking tight end. I'm like, well, he's not Kittle. Then he should probably find Obviously. a new profession because that's not not what he should, he's good at at all. <laughs> he's better at catching the ball than he is at blocking. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I agree, and and I think that maybe he should be utilized in that fashion yeah. in the future instead of blocking. yeah. Absolutely, I think there's a there's a two tight end offense waiting now that Dwelly has gotten himself established a little bit with Kittle coming back. I think that'll be good. Yeah, well, hopefully, yeah, Kittle is uh, coming back, and uh, I guess yeah. it's sort of up in the air. And yeah, especially after last week when he's oh he's out. I mean, maybe he's not, maybe he isn't. And now they say, I guess, you know, first he he was, oh, he's probably out. And then today it's like, oh, he's probably in. So now I'm really confused. So maybe Shanahan's like doing it right. right? He actually practiced today. So that's the difference is that he was actually practicing. The most important thing, perhaps the two most important passing plays of the game (laughs) were receptions by players who had one target each the entire game. The first one, Richie James, who I don't know why they don't play him. And it makes no sense that he doesn't get more offensive snaps because he is the third best wide receiver, at least with these injured players. I mean, I don't think it's even close. And he's shown it whenever you give him an opportunity. And he really sparked the offense with that 57-yard, which was a beautifully designed uh, play by Shanahan. So props to Shanahan on that one. So, I mean, I mean a lot of it was Shanahan, but... But then again, James is the guy who has to run all the way down the field 57 yards really, really fast. So you also have to give him his own props. And then the <laughs> the last player you would ever imagine to make a, a, a catch on a very, very difficult-to-catch, hard-thrown Texas route on a very, very key play at the end of the game, Mr. Wilson Jr., which we please just take the junior off of your jersey so I can buy your jersey. Please, please. It's not happening. It's not happening for you. It would just make so much sense. But anyway, um, Wilson Jr. had a fantastic catch and then a great 25-yard run and then a better, I don't know what that dance was, but it was was pretty sweet. (laughs) It was amazing. (laughs) It was was like, so I wish I were Merton Hanks, but my neck doesn't work that way. (laughs) And he better not show up like on the injury report with some neck injury. (laughs) (laughs) But, But it was worth it because that was... Beautiful. The way that Garoppolo was was pressured, I mean, he had no time. And he was trusting Wilson to be where he was supposed to be. And <laughs> and, and um, I guess Sala called the defensive play by having Arizona's best pass rusher covering Wilson for some reason. That's funny. And, you know, Wilson caught, caught a really, really hard pass up near his head. And he's not historically been all that great. Uh, at catching balls, and he took it, and he would t- he took that thing to the house, and no- nobody was going to stop him. And he, uh, yeah, I mean, one of a handful of potential game winning plays in that game, right? For sure, proud of him because we're obviously related. I guess that was the, technically the, the game winning touchdown score. So up is the passing game, but no, not you, offensive lineman, block better. More on that yeah. in a moment. Um, we'll I'll use that as my transition. And look at us; we're just flowing through these we're transitions. <laughs> Ooh, all over the place. Uh, I will segue into my down for the game. Um, I'm going to unfortunately have to give my to Tevin Coleman. And I know what you're thinking. Like Tevin Coleman had that had that big that big uh, play, you know, in the in the passing game where he, you know, took the this, the ball out of the backfield and and ran a really long way. It was a kind of a similar play to the Richie James one uh, in that it sparked a drive and yada yada. Let me break things down for you. So Coleman had 15 total touches on Sunday for 62 yards. That doesn't seem like horrible, right? That's not great, but it's not horrible. You, you want to do more with that. The problem is that 48 of those yards were in the air. So that's not a good number. Uh, 37 of which were on the one play that I was alluding to earlier. So if you're following with me at home, if you remove that one play, we're down to 14 touches for 25 yards, which is 1.8 yards per touch. However, I would also like to tell you that 12 of those 14 were carries, were rushing attempts for 14 yards, which for those of you who are doing math at home, that is 1.2 yards per carry. Uh, That's not good. Uh, (laughs) That's not good at all. Adding on to that, I think he had a long of like four or five yards. So. Four. His, his long was four. So, <laughs> so his, take so, that away. <laughs> so, 11, so it was 11 for 10. 
yeah. That's <laughs> like if we could we could keep breaking this. I mean, that's about as far as it goes. Yeah, that's that's really bad. You could do that. Yeah, it's, that's as far as it goes. But it's it's no it's not good no matter which way you look at it. Um, now to be fair, it wasn't just Coleman who couldn't run the ball. Mostert was like three for. 12 or something like that as well. It was not good um, all around. Uh, I think <laughs> Garoppolo had the highest yards per carry, but that's because he carried the ball one time for seven yards. Um, <laughs> so that usually helps. But the problem is, is that with Coleman being uh, the the main back with Brita being out, it just, you know, he um, is sort of the, the sort of poster child as it were for this game, for the poor quality of the, uh, the running game. Um, I think it's going to be even more important over the, the, the games that are coming in the next couple of weeks that, that the 49ers figure out balance a little bit more. Um, I don't think it's right or uh, the, the the correct expectation to think that the Garoppolo is going to play like this every game. Um, I think hopefully that his consistency will be better, but they're going to need the, the ground game to get it together. Um, I'm not expecting the 200 yard average that they were at for after the first, you know, four or five weeks or whatever, but if they can, you know, keep their number right around their average, which is right around 149 yards per game, which as I alluded to earlier is somehow still second in the NFL, but they had a, like a really good, uh, sort of lead on most of the rest of the league. If they can get right around that 150 range more, if that can actually be their average and not some number that's been ballooned by like 231 yards against the Panthers and all that stuff. I think that's going to be really helpful in making, in making Garoppolo feel more and more uh, comfortable as the season goes on. Um, And uh, Coleman just didn't do his part on Sunday. Uh, And that's just sort of the, the long and the short of that. So he's never been a effective number one feature back and he's feature ish right now with, with, uh, with Brita out and and most of his number two. He's he's much better as a you know, as a back who supplements or split scaries, and he has been a little bit unimpressive in the passing game so far this year for a, a guy who's like historically known as a great pass catcher out of the backfield. And I mean, once he gets the balls in, in his hands, he's you know electric. But he's, right. you know, there's some balls that I was expecting him to catch, and he didn't. And yeah, that that the one against Seattle. Um where it went right through his hands on the screen pass where he probably scores yeah, um, or at least goes, you know, 50, 60 yards <laughs> to get it close to scoring uh, was particularly bad. As I recall with the group of runners that Lynch and Shanahan have on the roster, the true objective with the 49 running backs is to get them into space so they can run real fast because they're all real fast other than Wilson actually Wilson was made in the fastest. And he looked fast on that one play. I, I would have gotten out of his way even if it wasn't fast because, yeah, it would have been dangerous. So, um, you know, they, they have, especially with Brita healthy, they have three extremely fast running backs and they need to get the ball into their hands. I like the way that Shanahan has incorporated the screen pass a lot more in the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, especially some of this, these, uh, these blitzes because I think that the last, you know, two teams they played over the last three weeks have really focused on stacking the box, blitzing Garoppolo when they think it's going to be a passing play and forcing him to throw the ball down the field. So if they can, if he can throw some deep passes as well as some short passes that turn into long catch and runs, then I think they're going to be very successful. And Coleman is good in the screen game, but he needs to catch the ball. (laughs) Newsflash, right? As well as grade A hard hitting analysis there. That is top notch work from uh, Chris Wilson of NinerNoise.com. I'll tell you what, I am bringing it episode after episode. Uh, absolutely, for sure. All right, uh, Chris, what about your uh, down for the game, which I think you've already more than alluded to at this particular point? I'm not pleased with the offensive line. I'm not very pleased. I, mean, I wasn't very pleased with the offensive line last week. And it's not unwarranted because they haven't played very well the last couple weeks, but. This week, you know, for all of the sudden, at, like out of nowhere, Staley haters from last week, we're like, this guy's too old, he needs to retire, what's he still doing on the team? Even I said at one point, eh, there could have been a point in there that I might have brought him to backup because he's playing that badly. And just didn't look right. Well, this is why you wouldn't want the backups in there, at least not on a permanent basis, because they just were not very good. I mean, the offensive line allowed 
25 quarterback pressures is what I read and then read again and then read again to make sure that that's that's correct. So that's a lot, right? Absolutely. That seems like a lot. Like I'm, I'm I think that's like actually accurate. <laughs> but, but it sure seems like a lot. It's it's true that Grapple was pressured on nearly every play and he was pressured on his interception passes. And like we all know that when quarterbacks are pressured, they don't throw the ball as well. <laughs> and their uh their statistics uh, lower, their quarterback rating lowers, just you know, it's it's uh, in the inter- interception um rates rise so it's something that you want to do you want to pressure the quarterback so we need our offensive line to protect against those guys who are rushing the quarterback and they have not done a very good job of that the last couple weeks so they need to step it up and in addition to that they need to open some holes for the running backs 1.5 yards a carry for the running backs that's not cool and it's not going to work we're not going to the super bowl if you do that if crapo is getting pressured 25 times a game and we have 1.5 yards on the ground by running backs, we're in trouble. So offensive line, step it up. I know that we have some injuries, and those players are coming back, and hopefully they'll be fully healthy, and we can gel the way that we gelled last year and the beginning, the beginning of this year, and we can get back to where we need to be as far as protecting Garoppolo because he needs to be protected because we could all see the way that he was jumping in the pocket in some portions of the middle of the game two games ago against the Seahawks. And I mean, the last thing you want from your quarterback is him throwing the ball early because he just feels pressure that's not there. The one time you actually do protect him. You mean Sam Darnold syndrome? (laughs) You're right. Yeah. Well, actually, then then he is in in your face every every play, so so you better get out there quick. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the opposite of an honorary or constellation prize in this situation? An anti-honor. Yeah, let's just go with that. So the anti-honorary award goes to one aspect of the 49ers defense, uh, beginning with the front four, but extending all the way back into the secondary. They just could not stop Kyler Murray running the ball. And they're having a really big problem with quarterbacks who are fast and run the ball. And I mean, it even came back to bite him with, with Russ Wilson at the end of overtime. I mean, and he's definitely not as fast as Murray is or some of the quarterbacks that we're going to be facing here in the next couple of weeks. So, so we need to shore up the defense and come up with a strategy to stop some of these rushing plays by the quarterback that are designed or, or read options, et cetera, because we can't have Murray leading the team in, in rushing when we're playing fairly well in the, in the, in the run game against the running backs. So offense line all around, we need improvement and defensive line as well as linebackers and secondary. We need to learn how to defend against running quarterbacks. A lot of that is Salah. I mean, he needs to teach these guys how to play against uh, you know, quarterbacks who run, and he should know how because he has coached for the Seahawks, and the Seahawks used to play the 49ers, who had a quarterback who ran the ball all the time, and the Seahawks had a quarterback who ran the ball all the time. So it's something that's fixable and should be able to be ironed out. So I'm glad it's happening now and not later in January. Yeah, and and the the thing is with uh, with Kyler in the in the division and Russell Wilson probably not going to be going away anytime soon. It's certainly something they're going to have to to figure out over the long term because even if you take out you know Lamar Jackson and uh, all the other you know quarterbacks with this skill you know shoot Josh Allen out there over there in Buffalo you know the, the, <laughs> these guys that that have the ability to do that we have two of them at this moment that we have to face twice a year um, for the foreseeable future. So that's certainly something that needs to be paid attention to. Um, and, uh, you know, let's just hope that uh, the Rams decide to stick with Jared Goff so it doesn't become a third one. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's uh, let's go ahead and move our attention forward to the game that is coming up. And that is a uh, Sunday night home game, the last home game that we'll have for, the, for another couple of weeks. Uh, Sunday night football, a uh, flexed. Sunday night football game against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, this game uh, kicks off three in a row against uh, three of the top teams in the NFL. We got Green Bay. Uh, then we have a uh, road game against the uh, Baltimore Ravens, who are playing quite well. And then a road game against the uh, New Orleans Saints, 
who are also playing quite well uh, before returning to uh, Levi Stadium uh, to face the Atlanta Falcons uh, in the middle of December. So here's my thought about this um, in, in to, to, to kind of kick start the conversation about the Packers for these next three games. So Packers, Ravens, Saints. Uh, Chris, do you see this Packers game as being the most winnable of those three games that we have coming up? I think it is because it's a home game and, and Levi's Stadium has finally produced a home field advantage for the 49ers, which you know everyone was sort of critical of the lack of their home field advantage over the first couple of years. And, and actually, at one point, they had a negative home field advantage or a home field disadvantage uh, at Vegas, which is pretty wild. But that's actually common for teams with new stadiums, I learned, that in, in the first couple of years, you just don't have that home field advantage because you have a shiny new stadium that's sometimes in a totally different city. You have a, a lot of people who don't necessarily care about the game who are c- coming, oh, you know, there's a new stadium and... You know, I got tickets through my company and I'm going to stay for half the game and then drink beers for free back and not really cheer and, and that kind of thing. And then, you know, it takes a little while for you to learn to lay the land, people around you and how to get them pumped up and, you know, the personalities and, and, and that, that kind of thing. So it takes a couple of years and also it takes wins which we haven't had a lot of. I was going to say, they were also bad at the beginning of the stadium too, so that didn't help. Definitely doesn't help. Uh, Even the good teams don't have that same home field advantage right off the bat. The quote-unquote three-point home field advantage isn't really a thing anymore, but it's sort of like a generalization. But, I mean, the 49ers have not not, not had anything close to that, but they finally do. And they have one of the best fan bases in the NFL. So it's not as much... If you build it, we will come. <laughs> if you give us a decent team, we will come. And, and and we will be all over the country and we will go to away games. We will, you would take over stadiums, you know. But you need to give us something. You, know, you need, need to give us hope. And the 49ers have hope now, uh, just like we had during the Harbaugh years. And right. during the Harbaugh years, there were a lot of fans in opposing stadiums that I, that I was in. And they were very, very angry at how many 49ers fans had taken over their stadium. And that's the way that it should be, and that's the way that I want it to continue to be. So the 49ers have that home field advantage at home against against the Packers. In Baltimore, it's going to be a little bit tougher. When they play the Saints, also tough. So we have three teams in a row that are all good teams. They're three of the best teams in the league. They're all three, eight, eight and two. So I was reading something saying that this could actually be the worst three-game schedule for a team in the second half of a NFL football season from a win-loss perspective in that they're playing three teams in a row and each one has won at least 80% of their games. That is not good. <laughs> but then again, it's a good test for the team. Their games that, that the 49ers, they need to win some of these games. They, they can't draw blanks all three times. So they're going to need to win at least one of these games if not more, and the best chance of them winning a game is going to be this week against the Packers, even though the Packers are coming off a bye, which every team we play this year comes off a bye. I believe that this is the most winnable of the three, especially if we have Kittle and Sanders back at semi-full strength. You know, The more healthy we get, the more chance we have of winning this game. So Yes, I believe that this is the most winnable of the three, and just from looking at the early lines, that Vegas agrees. Okay, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you for a lot of the same reasons that you're that you're talking about. Mostly the 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 other the last two games being road games certainly makes it difficult. Um, I mean, we'll talk next week, I'm sure, about the str- struggles that the 49ers have had with the Ravens uh, since they've been in Baltimore. I'm sure there's that's a large depth of, of conversation. And, of course, the, the Saints are always usually quite good at home. Seeing the 49ers play in that dome will forever give me nightmares about Ahmad Brooks and Drew Brees' Gumby neck. Um, and that... Uh, and the Ravens have been, you know, one of the more frightening teams in the NFL. Um, I, I think they're both beatable. Obviously, they both have already lost twice. Uh, although the Saints, one of the Saints' losses, certainly a questionable one because it was the game that that uh, that Drew Brees went out. Um, he 
that it, when he injured his thumb. In the last one was a weird one. They lost the Falcons a couple weeks ago, but apparently everybody's losing the Falcons now. So there we go. The Ravens have weird losses as well. Um, they lost to the Browns, which was a strange one. Um, and they also—I don't remember who their other loss was to right off the top of my head. But the Browns one was like really bad, like they got destroyed, but strange. But yeah, so this is a, a run of three games that are against good teams that they're at or at or near the top of their respective divisions and conferences. And But the, the thing that sets it apart is that to me, the, the Packers um, just don't have a particular unit of their team that's that that strikes as much fear into me. Like you're very worried about the Saints' offense. Actually, you're probably worried, very worried about the Saints defense too, as they've both been very good on both sides of the ball. You're really worried about the, the Ravens offense, less so about their defense. And yes, of course the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, And so that always makes them difficult, but they have sort of come back to earth a little bit defensively. Their weighted defensive DVOA, according to football outsiders is 22nd in the league. Uh, they're at 4.5%. Their non-adjusted DVOA is also 22nd at 4.7, which suggests that there's not a lot of variance between their weighted, the, the, the teams that they played and, uh, the quality of their defense, right? It's pretty much right on the same level, 4.5, 4.7%, right in that same place. Um, they're a little better against the pass, so 3.1% DVOA, which is 16th, uh, than they are against the run. Uh, they are, get this, they are 0.9% against the run, which is 28th in the NFL, uh, according to DVOA. So maybe this is the time for the Niners to get uh, going on that side. Their offense is, of, you know, it, their offense is doing good things. It took them a couple of weeks to get going. Um, in terms of offensive DVOA, they're at 16.7%, which is sixth in the league. Uh, uh, their passing is at 37.3, which is fourth. And uh, their 11.9 uh, rushing DVOA, which is also a fourth. And so it's, um, it's, it's really interesting, uh, to, to see where they are. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season when they weren't giving up that many points, uh, I think playing them, the defense at that point would have been problematic, but they've certainly been more gettable of late. And, uh, I think that's going to be really important. And frankly, they're both of their losses at this point in the season, they, they lost to the Eagles by a touchdown and the chargers in Los Angeles by 15. And, you know, that doesn't happen very often. So those both look pretty bad at this point. Um, and so that's, you know, that's a, a, a problem for me. Um, I think the 49ers defense is going to be in a better place. I think the, excuse me, the things that the Packers do as an offense are a better fit for the 49ers ability to stop them. If that makes sense, than like the, what the, the Seahawks and the, and the uh, Cardinals do. The Seahawks and the Cardinals are predicated on a lot of different on different things than the than the Packers are, and I think the Packers' strengths are kind of in line with what the 49ers are also good at stopping. If you know what I mean, right? <laughs> I mean, you want Rodgers to be like, "Hey, let's just uh, you know go empty and five wide receiver set," and right. unfortunately, D Ford probably will not be joining us. But yeah, that's not good. Yeah, with, with Bus on one side, and then I don't know. Maybe Demontre Moore, the second coming on the other side, who knows? <laughs> to me, that's a, a better situation than a team, you know, like the Ravens, who you just don't know where the ball is going and who's going to have it, and whether the fastest guy on the field, who just happens to be the quarterback, is going to be the guy who's running down the field with the ball. <laughs> I guess the one thing I don't like about the Packers game is they're coming off a bye, and they have sort of like a couple of cake games after the Niners game. I think they play like the Giants and the Redskins next, so it's. I don't really like that very much. I, I'd rather, be, I'd much rather they be looking ahead to the next week. Although at, at nine and one, like, like who are they going to be looking ahead to? But you know, a divisional game like a Vikings or something like that would would be sort of nice. You know, so they could overlook the nine and one. Play yeah, I don't think we're in a position to do that anymore. You know, if we were, if we were five and five, maybe we could sneak up on them. But I'm not sure that we're in a position to be like sneaking up on on the Packers who are you know a slot behind us. And yeah, they have Giants, Redskins, Bears. Uh, over the next three weeks, and then Vikings and Lions to finish things out. Those last three games could be really important, depending on how where they uh, they are in the in their division and, and that sort of thing. Because the Vikings are coming on pretty strong as well. So in, in the in the second half of games, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And and by the way, um, did you 
speaking of which, uh, Kirk Cousins, all the love this week for, for leading his team back from being down 20, 20 uh, to nothing at halftime or 20 to three or whatever it was. But Garoppolo just shouldn't have been putting his team in that situation. By running the ball. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, It's amazing to me. They both did the same thing. Their defenses let them down and put them in bad positions. And, you know, they didn't play really well in the first half. And they both came on really strong in the second half. Everybody was just like, oh, well, look at look at Kirk Cousins. He's so great. And that Garoppolo, he, you know, he's fine. If you want me to, to, to talk about Cousins, I can do it all day long. But, I'm sure you can. I'm sure but, you but can. Maybe I'll just have a special podcast where I talk to myself about. Yeah, special podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> you do not want to be anywhere near it. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and just uh, ignore that and move on to the uh, prediction section of the, uh, of the game. Um, so I already mentioned the two losses for the Packers this year. They lost to the Eagles by a touchdown um, in Lambeau and the Chargers by 15 in Los Angeles at StubHub, which is a bizarre, like any, anybody who goes in there and loses a game at this point is like shocking to me. They put up 11 points against the Chargers. It, it's just strange to me. Um, anyway, but in, in it, it, it was definitely not from the crowd noise. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should just like not allow half of the fans in the stadium this week. They were so confused by, by, yeah, they were so confused by all the Packers fans in the, in the stadium. They're like, what's going on? I, I think this is going to be a close game. Um, I would be surprised if it was a blowout one either way. Um, if, you know, if the 49ers came out and, did what they did to the Panthers a couple of weeks ago or what they did to Cleveland um, on Monday night that in week three, I'd be really shocked. I'd be really happy, but I would be very shocked. I also know that it seems like the Packers are a little bit, you know, up and down to their benefit. Uh, they have, they are a pretty much fully healthy team, uh, which works out really nicely for them. 49ers, not so much, but the fact of the matter is if you look at the Packers schedule, you mentioned that their schedule after this is kind of soft. If you look at the defenses that they've come up against uh, throughout the season, I would also categorize much of what they've played against as also not great. In fact, one can make the argument that the 49ers are the best defense that the Packers have faced since they played the Bears in week one. If you think that the 49ers defense is not as good as the Bears. No, 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 no. What I mean is, what I mean to say is the Bears are like the highest rated defense that they've played in between this that that game and this game. Oh, okay, okay. Just making sure that you weren't saying that we are <laughs> like like no 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 every defense what I'm saying is every defense since then not so good. Like, you know, the Eagles have been overrated, the Chargers most of the teams that they played um have not been have been great. But of course, you know, Aaron Rodgers uh adds the the element of who knows what's going on. I mean, we thought we had this game in the bag last year. So the Aaron Rodgers factor always brings it into 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 play. But I mentioned the injuries before. It looks like a good chunk of the injured players that were like on the fence at the beginning of the week are looking better. Um, especially uh, Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders, possibly Matt Breida. Um, in all honesty, the moving the game to Sunday night as opposed to Sunday afternoon probably helps a lot. Uh, it gives them a couple of extra hours to kind of get themselves up. So I don't really know what direction this one's going to go. When I did the record predictions at the beginning of the season and then right after the 3-0 start, I said both times that this was going to be a loss. But you know what? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what I said then. What I'm saying now is uh, it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm hoping that it will be entertaining and not sort of heart out of your throat type of things like what happened against the uh, the Cardinals. Um, so I'm going to go 28-24 49ers, so a slight cover uh, for the 49ers in this one. Chris, to you. I like this. Like My fake rogue persona is having an effect on you I don't know, it's, it's, it's great I, I really like it <laughs> all the talking am i talking no 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 I, I mean the the fact that you just don't follow rules anymore uh, you know rules whatever <laughs> yeah come on now man green bay packers they have caused me a lot of grief over the years <laughs> from pretty much the time i started watching football and understanding mm-hmm. football until harbaugh came to town so over 14 games green bay won every one of them Except for one, the famous, you know, quote unquote, 
catch 2.0 from Young to Tio. So then under Harbaugh, the 49ers pulled off four straight wins against Rodgers, including the Ice Bowl back in 2014, Mm -hmm. which I can confirm was very cold, but very awesome. And extremely cheap because it was so cold that nobody wanted to go to the game. Yeah, I get tickets for like under the listing price. It was was pretty crazy. Anybody who has an opportunity to go to Lambeau Field, got to go to it. It's like definitely a a one of a kind type of experience, especially when your team wins. Yeah, and and the fans they were like so nice. Like after we after we beat them, like like four or five fans said, "Well, at least you're not the Bears." And like that, that's all they really care about is listening to the Bears. That's that's all the Packer fans care about is. I mean, it really was the Bears. Like, losing. People were buying yeah. us shots after the game. I mean, their literal moderal their literal response to everything is <laughs> yeah, Bears yeah. still suck. Yeah, like, so they've been watching at home for a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So since Harbaugh left, the 49ers have been winless in their two games against the Packers. The first one with uh, Tom Sula. And of course, the the heartbreaker from last year that I've tried to block out of my mind. Obviously, like you said before, you, you remember this game. But for me, it was memorable for a couple of reasons. A, it was one of the two decent games that C.J. Beathard's ever played in his NFL career. Let's be fair. It was one of his decent halves. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like he was even okay in the second half. and not. But, I mean, I think the last pass probably wasn't too good, but... Other than that one, for for Beathard, that was like elite. I mean, that was that's that's easily that's the second true. best game of his career, and the Niners lost. So that should tell you everything you need to know. But yet we still have three quarterbacks on the roster. So there's that. Wasn't that the game that he got hurt in though? No, the Packers game is the game where he threw that. It was like third and three. He tosses that bomb to Goodwin way, way, way down the field. They got got picked off totally unnecessarily with like minimal time on the clock. Yeah, because then he played the next game and then the next game and then the one after that was the Raiders game when Nick came in and, and stole our hearts temporarily until Grapple came back. So, hey, you got to remember a game that C.J. Beathard played well. Remember for that reason. B, because Jimmy Ward got injured. Yeah, I'm just kidding about that because that would not make it memorable in any capacity. But it was the game where Witherspoon was benched for some reason Remember, it was there's some drama about was he practicing hard? Was he trying hard? And this is right after a handful of games where he was not playing so well. Ah, yes. And he was, I believe, he was actually active for the game, but, but just benched. Mm-hmm. So Ward's replacement was none other than defensive back Greg Mabin, who decided to retire during the fourth <laughs> quarter when he was put in the game, but still remained on the field. Pretending to make plays or trying, I guess, maybe. Somehow, Rogers was aware that Mabin had retired. <laughs> so he just threw it over and over and over to whomever Mabin was, quote-unquote, covering or was supposed to be covering. I mean, it, it got to the point where Sherman, and you know, like Sherman's like allergic to the other side of the field. Like, he can only play on one side of the field. Like, he breaks out in hives if he gets on the other side of the field. And he ran over to Mabin and pulled him off of Devontae Adams on one key play because he wanted to cover him in man coverage. And I've never seen (laughs) such a thing happen. I mean, he's Sherman's just like, I'm not having any more of this. He was just that much of a train wreck. As as we all So it was also the game, I guess this is a C, (laughs) I believe it's a C, where Shanahan pulled a Shanahan circa two weeks ago and gave the ball back to Rodgers by calling three straight passing plays when the Packers didn't have any timeouts at the end of the game. And it was like a, like a little bit over a minute left and called a passing play, which was short reception. And then it was, I believe a second and three, if I recall correctly, and calls another passing play. Like why? I mean, you love running. We all know you love to run. Just run the ball. It's, you know, just waste some time with the clock, but incomplete. And then CJ Beathard goes full blown CJ Beathard and decides to throw a 50-yard bomb to Goodwin that's intercepted. So you give Rodgers the ball, and he has a minute something on the clock. And so what does he do? Just like I was scared that Wilson would do a couple weeks ago, he drives right down the field and just looks at whoever Maven is covering and just throws it at him. I mean, it was really that bad. Just like keeps throwing it over and over and over at whoever he was covering. And they get down, I think, to the 9 or 10-yard line, and kick field goal, game's over. Lose the game. Yeah, it was 10, 10 plays, 81 yards for Mason Crosby, 27-yard field goal to, to win the game. Yep, the math works out. And now I'm assuming Mabin made, made the tackle, or at least the guy ran out of bounds close to Mabin on every one of the plays. Um, he is actually listed. 
Greg Maven is listed as the as the tackler on uh three on the last three completed passes. Okay. And, and he also he also gave up the uh Devontae Adams touchdown on, on the previous draft. So he had a great game. And somehow he was active the next week, but whatever. Like that was my therapy session, so I'm over it now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel you feel better about that? Do you feel better? So what okay, but what about this week? <laughs> that is the history. So my message to Shanahan I sort of forgot about that until after his fiasco with Seattle a couple weeks ago. And then I was like, wait, he did this exact same thing. And he, did he not learn his lesson? <laughs> like, like, how's he doing this again? So my message to Shanahan is do not do that again. Yeah. <laughs> like, Good plan. I'm sure he's listening or somebody in his ear is <laughs> listening. So if you're up by a score or less at the end of the game, do not give Rogers the ball. Please do not do it. Cause I'm, I, I'm not going to handle it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Like I said, this is the first floor. The window doesn't open, but I might still try to jump out of it. Just, don't, just don't do it. You <laughs> just land in the bushes in the front of your house or something. <laughs> like crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is exactly <laughs> what, what would happen. Actually, I don't think I'd make it through the window. This is a huge game. Playoff implications: Niners nine and one, Packers eight and two. Next three games are going to decide the playoff seating and home field advantage and all that kind of fun stuff. So, with everything on the line, the line has moved from three and a half Niners to Niners by three, which is probably where it should be. The over-under has moved from 44 to 47 or 47 and a half. So I'll do the math faster this time. Um, that's 25 to 22-ish, which is very difficult to get to. <laughs> Although if That she, would be a hard score. But who knows? Was Shanahan just, just going for two for no reason last week? Maybe they can get Maybe. to 20. That'd be fun. So I will make it a little more reasonable and make it a 24-23 game. So they did not cover, but they win the game, the most important thing. Which is... And then... Yeah. So is our boy Chase McLaughlin going gonna, to gonna win the game for us? I would rather not do it in, in that order, if I, if I have a preference. Okay. So so it's like we're up 24-13 to 13 and they mount to somewhat of a comeback kind of thing is that more what you're thinking i'm just hoping that, that we don't get into any type of position where we're relying on a field goal kicker to win a football game for us i, I mean i'm totally with you but but a 24 a 24 23 mm, yeah, game yeah. sort of feels yeah. like that kind of thing that's normally how that works so so i'm just starting to think of the other ways that that could play out like you know we score 24 straight points and then they slowly start to climb back into the game and start going for two yeah Oh yeah, they missed the two point conversion at the end of the game. Oh, that, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> none of this is good, Chris. This is the worst prediction ever. What are we doing? Let's stop talking. We about We still this. win. We still win. So all right, all right. As long as we win, it's stressful. It's stressful, but it. But we still win. Okay. I'm not gonna, and I can't change it now because I said it, and there's no way you can edit a podcast. That's so. right. It's, <laughs> it's already like, going it's 20, out. It's going to be 24, 23. All right. And and my guy with with many different ways to pronounce his last name he is going to win the game for us because we All have right. confidence in him be- i like because it. come on chase you got this we're either going to kick a field goal that is less than 40 yards that would be ideal or 50 yards or more so it's gonna be a extremely long field goal or extremely short field goal chase we believe in you and he's money i mean he's never missed one in his career and it's not going to happen this time that's right so that's right yes all right <laughs> you know what now that i think about it that's what i want okay let's do it let's right. do it yeah chase mclaughlin game-winning field goal here we go i want to be down i want to drive I want Garoppolo to put this game on his shoulders. I love it. I want him I love to it. throw the ball it. and Shanahan not run the ball. <laughs> just like cut the running section out of your playbook sheet. And then we're just throwing the ball down the field. And we're getting in field goal range. And, yeah. and maybe we'll just make it a little more exciting and make it like a 51-yarder. And he's going to blast it through. And we will celebrate. 10-1. 10-1, Last thought here, and then I'll, and then I'll close this out. During the the drive where where Wilson ended up scoring the touchdown, they kept going back and forth and showing Chase McLaughlin on the on the sideline, like getting warmed up. And my dad and I were sitting next to each other, and we're going, "Quit showing him! We don't want him to do anything." Because like a field goal only would have tied the game and sent it to overtime. We're like, "We don't have any interest in that." Go sit down, Chase. Yeah, yeah, like go to the bathroom and get like a hot dog or something. Come out for the extra point. That's your only job. But this week, Chase <laughs> player of the game. There you go. Could happen. It has happened. He will be my one up, and I will give no more ups. Just him. If he gets chase, I'll chase. All right, uh, (laughs) (laughs) all right, folks. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Uh, As always, please check us out on your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a nice uh, five 
star review or whatever the maximum amount of stars that you're allowed to give uh, might be, depending on your platform. And if you wouldn't mind sharing uh, the podcast with your 49er fan friends, we would certainly appreciate that. Um, So we will see you next week to talk about, hopefully, a victory over the uh, Green Bay Packers and the 49ers being 10-1. and Till then, we will see you next week, Niner fans. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.